Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to your donations at japanbyrivercruise.com and by the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This is a message for non-Japanese residents from the government of Japan. You may have heard that the recently approved 100,000 yen per person stimulus package will be available to foreign residents in the country. Congratulations, you win. In addition, because it may currently be impossible to physically visit an immigration center or buy an international plane ticket, we understand that we likely have some foreign guests who may have accidentally overstayed their visas, are working outside of their visa categories, and others who may be technically residing in the country illegally. And that is why we have decided to expand the stimulus package to include financial aid for those foreigners as well. If this means you, you can apply for your stimulus package quickly and easily. Simply download the Forcible Relocation of Funds app from Japan.gov's English homepage, install it on your phone, upload a photo of your passport or expired residence card, allow the app access to your phone's GPS, camera, and microphone, fill out a short survey letting us know what hours you're most likely to be asleep, and leave your doors unlocked so our friendly staff can safely deposit your money inside your residence without unnecessary physical contact. And if you believe anything we've said in this message so far, we'd also like to recommend you download a special sweepstakes app where you can enter to win a free tote bag from NHK simply by entering your current residential address and uploading photographic proof of yourself in front of a television that you own. Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Ayana Wise, founder of Black Creatives Japan and co-host of the podcast Curly and Kansai. She's also a nine-year resident of Osaka and a prolific photographer whose unauthorized portrait series, Businessman Throwing Up into the Dotonbori, has been exhibited internationally to critical acclaim. Ayana, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. On this week's show, people all over the world are desperate for an end to the lockdown for just the stupidest reasons. We'll take a look at some examples right here in Japan, including I need to play pachinko and I hate my wife, plus analyze the heavy, heavy overlap between the two. Plus, the world-renowned Japanese civility starts to break down under the pressure of COVID-19 as Prime Minister Abe takes a figurative swipe at a mask retailer and a Fukuoka man takes a literal swipe at a store clerk who touched his change. All that plus your weekly river cruise recommendation, Ali? Yes, this week's recommendation is a Tokyo cruise that is capitalizing on the fact that podcasting equipment has been completely globally sold out on Amazon this week and has set up a welcome to the world of podcasting river cruise where you'll be taught the basics such as techniques for tricking someone into doing it with you and useful storage methods to prevent the equipment from getting dusty when you quit after episode three. Plus, for those that have yet to launch their first podcast, why not try the Producer Deck Experience, where River Crew staff will help you record and edit your first episode, put the MP3 file onto a complimentary River Crew's branded memory stick, and do you a favor by throwing it directly overboard. Ollie actually teaches that class on techniques for tricking someone into doing a podcast with you. And we all know that the state of emergency is financially harming river cruise operators, but what about the related industries that thrive on their market position as river cruise suppliers? Later in the show, we'll talk to a spokesperson for Japan's leading manufacturer of really long sticks. But first, Soap Talk. 
Ayana, it's great to have you on the podcast. How's the lockdown in Kansai? I mean, is it really a lockdown from my week right now? I still have to commute Monday through Wednesday. I have a couple of jobs. So the job that I do Monday through Wednesday, I still have to take the train. Like there's not a lot of people on it. People are still trying to follow social distancing, I guess, on my line and even in my supermarket and like people like not lining up close to each other. But for the most part, it seems to be okay from what I'm seeing. How do you feel about still having to do your job? Have you not told your boss that this is reckless? I mean, unless you're like a nurse or something, in which case I apologize. I'm not a nurse. I just take pictures of used bags or they say pre-loved luxurious items. (laughs) You're commuting to take pictures of used bags? And that's an essential service? Yes. My company, they sell second or pre-loved uh, luxury items via Facebook Live. And I'm the photographer for the company that takes pictures of these items. Sometimes I take pictures of the sellers, the live sellers with the items. But for the most part, I just take pictures of the items itself. So uh, one of your credits is that you are the founder of Black Creatives Japan. And I follow you on Twitter and uh, on a couple of different social media accounts. I notice you do a lot of nightlife organizing. Mm-hmm. How... How has the absence of the event scene affected your daily life? Well, so <laughs> it's really funny because in the beginning of the year, I was trying to like slow down on the um, the events. Like the month before 2020 came, me and my team, we said, hey, this is what we're going to do for the year. So we had already scheduled events for the year, but I realized that we were like jam packed. So I was like, all right let's cancel this event and let's reschedule this event and then we'll get back around March. But because coronavirus, uh, everything just basically canceled. So instead of just postponing, we just canceled everything. And we have a talent show that's supposed to be in June. And I have to tell people that we're canceling because by the time, let's say, you know, the state of emergency is done, by the time we have to, you know, plan everything, we can't plan it in time for the June event. So we're gonna have to reschedule again. Ollie, how's your week been? I've been dipping my toe into online stand-up shows and let me tell you, they are worse than they sound. I think from my perspective and the audience perspective, uh, it is just you standing in a room uh, I feel like a YouTuber. Now I'm starting to feel, uh, I'm starting to understand, Bobby, quite why you're so angry all the time. Because staring down a camera lens and just hoping that your creative endeavors are loved by people that you can't yet see uh, is so, so soul-destroying. It's so, so sad. Well, I watched your online gig uh, last Tuesday and it was very, very good. Like, I enjoyed it. But I think it's a very different thing from YouTube because YouTube, you're you're creating something that, it's, it's like a one-way street. There is response to it but you're putting it out there and not expecting that same immediate response that you get from stand-up and stand-ups thrive on the reaction from the room and i could tell watching you that you were waiting for that reaction and there's just no way to get it when you're just performing straight into a camera yeah and even when there are kind of comments that are coming in with people like doing emojis or something there's such a lag right that it's basically pointless you've already moved on to the next joke if you've got any any kind of pace one thing i will say which is really funny is the first time i tried doing this uh i was at the mc for a gig in the uk and uh, the software that they use had a bug in it such that any audience members that turned up to the live stream late would automatically be be thrown onto the virtual stage. So rather than just being able to watch it, their webcam and mic was turned on and they were thrown on the live stream next to me. And so as I was emceeing, I 
they kind of had like it felt like hecklers, you know. It felt like people had invaded the the virtual stage, and there was no way of of like stopping it. But I did think that this is a great this would be a great idea for regular comedy clubs once the lockdowns ended. That let's say you know if you arrive five minutes late, fair enough. But if you arrive ten minutes late, then the only entrance is through. The, the stage and you have to walk across the <laughs> stage and apologize to everybody uh, for being late. Well, I did. I watched Yana, your whole your... 20 minute set and there was a lot of it that I thought was really funny. I thought the funniest thing of all though was at the end when you went, well, that's my time. I absolutely hated this. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I'm honest. Um, Ayana, if you end up saying that at the end of this podcast, I can just edit it out. <laughs> it, it's fine. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Ayanna, what what are your other jobs? Are, are they are they suspending you? Uh, are they allowing you to work from home? So I have like two main jobs. So the first job I told you Monday to Wednesday, I take pictures of bags. And <laughs> the other job was teaching English in the Akiwa, but I was only doing that in the evening times, like three to four times a week. That job, that company um, had closed its schools and but they're still paying us. They said paying us like sixty percent of our average pay. Wow! And as as we know, English teaching is one of those rare professions which definitely can't be done online, can it? So about that, I'm actually also teaching online through a different company, so I'm okay with that. And other jobs that I do sometimes is like modeling and voiceover work. I'm still I still get jobs for that, and I still go to it. But like some of the clients are canceling because of the coronavirus, so. Um, for now, it seems like my gigs have slowed down. Yeah, I found my modeling work has basically been non-existent since like 2013. Like I really found the virus hit early. <laughs> Bobby, do we have any mail this week? Yes, just under the wire. We have a message from Brian from Fukuoka and he writes, My name is Chris. I'm writing from Taiwan. I thoroughly enjoyed episode 30 of your show. Not being a resident of Japan, I am confused as to the actual existence of river cruises, but if they do exist, I would relish the opportunity to take part in one guided by the two of you. Then he makes an attempt at a joking reference to the content of our last episode. Uh, best to leave that unread. And then he says, during this time of restricted mobility, could you possibly suggest alternative forms of recreation and amusement? precluding listening to episodes 1 through 29 in any particular order. Uh, yeah, uh, you could listen to episodes 1 to 50 of Curly and Kansai uh, in chronological order, as, cause we, as we know that podcasts only get better as they go. Uh, or you can watch any of Bobby Judo's back catalogue if you want to experience what it's like to be a Japanese person and to be told how to act. Yes. Chris, thanks very much for that message. Bobby, let's take a look at the news. In this week's news, as lockdowns stretch on and on in countries all over the world, governments are starting to have to deal with citizens who just can't keep their self-isolation up because they can't live without something really dumb. This is not just Japan. This is going on all over the world. Ayana, have you been following any of the news about the protests in America to reopen the economy? I see some of the tweets. I get most of my news from Twitter. So I would see pictures of uh, racist white people sharing, showing signs that they want things open and using rhetoric from like uh, black protests back in the day. And I'm like, Y'all are dumb. <laughs> I don't think they want to work so much as they just want stuff open, right? They want poor like, people to work 
for them. Right. And they want to get their hair cut or go and get a coffee from Starbucks. You're both going to have to educate me on American culture, but I presume these are the same kind of people that are also anti-vaxxers. I don't think a lot of all of them are anti-vaxxers. I think they are included, but I just think most of them are just racist white people and that's it. They're the pro-Trump crowd. They're the people that he is inciting by saying, you know, we're doing more damage to the country than good by continuing this lockdown. And they're picking up on his dog whistles. They're taken to the streets. And they really are like, they don't care about themselves, about anybody but themselves. And they'll phrase it that way. They'll say, it's not my responsibility to take care of other people. You know, if I'm healthy and I'm not going to be affected by this, and a portion of them do believe that it's a lie, that it's a conspiracy, they don't care about what happens to anybody else as long as they get to get their hair cut, because that's essential. Get a cup of coffee or get a hamburger in a restaurant, because that's essential. Or I saw a woman holding a sign that said, massage is essential. Well, I've actually been to massage, and at the end of it, the lady asked me, if I'd like to choose between one of three essential oils. And I said, well, if they're essential, I'll take all of them. So maybe massage is a bad example. Yes, yes. Massage is essential in exactly the way that essential oils are essential. <laughs> so you've just pinpoint, you've nailed it on the head. Uh, have you seen this news that, that people are being prevented from going into schools with anything but a white mask because white equals purity? Now, there's a lot to unpack in this statement. So I I read about that. And what I've heard from, like, I have black bandit, uh, not bandit, a black mask. And it has a cat face on it. I wear that. I don't know if I get stares. I don't care. I don't look at people who stare at me. But I've heard that from people who work in those schools that they can't wear black because Koreans wear black masks and it's not clean. It's like seen as something threatening. Uh. <laughs> What color mask did Abe decide to send out to everybody? So Abe sent those two masks out to everyone and their cloth. Uh, the idea is that they're supposed to be able- Children's masks. Yeah. Yeah, children's masks to show purity. Children represent purity. It all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> One of the news stories is that uh, adults wear them and they don't fit. So he sent two to each household. I guess if it's a household that has no children, then you just are supposed to wear both of them at the same time. One for your nose, one for your mouth. Didn't Abe get a bit sassy with an Asahi Shimbun reporter? Yeah, he actually did. Uh, he lashed out, uh, people are saying, at a Asahi Shimbun reporter for asking critical questions about his whole two mask thing, which has been branded Abe no mask, which I, I keep reading it in English and I thought it was Abe no mask. <laughs> and it just occurred to me just now that it's Abe no possessive mask. It means his, his mask. Oh, I thought this was a play on Abe no mixer. Abe no mask. It is, it is. It's a double yeah. entendre. So he was being asked these critical questions by a reporter from the Asahi Shimbun, and he responded by saying, well, your company, Asahi, is actually selling a two-mask set for 3,300 yen, which is like 30, 32, 33 American dollars. So he said, so remember, we decided to give out these two free masks in a climate where the current market demand uh, is reflected by your mask price of 33,000 yen which makes it sound like Asahi Shimbun is price gouging and selling masks at this ridiculously high price. But uh, when he said that, it got Asahi a whole bunch of negative, angry internet attention. But after the fact, when people actually looked into it, the masks that he was referencing that cost that amount are actually like they're hand-woven masks that can be washed and reused up to 150 times compared to 
his masks, which uh, they're supposed to be for reuse, but they're cloth, they're mass produced. They don't really stay effective when rewashed <laughs> and they don't fit. But uh, one of the things that we talked about in the top was this idea that you know the Japanese idea of civility is kind of being worn down by this coronavirus as the longer the self-isolation goes on. Um, I think the Abe story reflects that. I also think this one from Fukuoka in which a guy at a, at a convenience store punched, just straight up punched a clerk in the face for handing him change by hand because he said he was going to infect him with the coronavirus that way. Why is she handing it by hand? They never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is funny. So I, I am actually... I think Ayana and I are both kind of on the side of the guy yes. who punched the service worker here. <laughs> like, no, don't punch her because, like, that is not preventing you from possibly getting coronavirus. But also, why are you handing it? You don't do that. <laughs> what was that guy doing in there buying a can? Like, if you're so concerned about that anyway. Like, this drunk guy who's buying a can chihuahua in a grocery store, like, by himself in the middle of the night, he's not the guy taking all the precautions, is he? Like, what, did, what do you think social dis distancing is, though? That's what I really want to know. I feel like everyone has different versions in their head. Well, that's a really good communications point, I think, that the UK was really quick to realize that social distancing means nothing, so they changed their messaging to stay at home. And actually, this is something when I teach people to MC comedy nights, yeah. I always say yeah. people are so dumb generally, right? So you've got to give them really crisp, clear instructions. So don't tell people, hey, don't ruin the show by keeping your phone on. Straight up tell people, reach into your pocket, take your phone out of your pocket and turn it off, right? You don't say, you don't say to people, hey, are you guys having a good time and hoping for a reaction? Specifically tell people, hey, make some noise. So I think one good thing that's come from like the UK now is their messaging is so crisp right they give the same slogan to every single person which is stay at home protect lives protect the nhs right i think this slogan is working so well i think boris johnson when he goes for re-election will probably just use the same uh, <laughs> use the same slogan stay at home uh, don't bother voting i'll stay in power um Ayanna, you might not realize this, but you are on quite an impressive podcast. Um, and the reason I tell you this is because only two weeks ago, we had Rochelle uh, as a guest on our podcast. And she uh, claimed that Japan needs to use the culture of shame uh, in order to help people maintain their social distancing. And, and now I'm not, I'm not suggesting, actually, do you know what? Yeah. I am suggesting the Japanese government listens to this podcast. They are a sponsor after all. And now... Uh, pachinko parlors are being publicly shamed uh, if they are staying open. Bobby, what is this story? You also jumped the gun a little bit here, but I feel like it's safe for us to make predictions because the government basically does move in accordance with whatever we say on this podcast. Uh, they have threatened. There are pachinko parlors that have been encouraged to close and are not closing. And they're saying if you don't step up your uh, measures to to curtail your business hours and to shut down when you're supposed to shut down, then we are going to name and shame the pachinko parlors um, and get the country's attention against them. Could this potentially backfire where all the government are doing is giving a public list of all the pachinko parlors, which are still open, which you can still go to? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. I've been waiting for the Japanese government to start shaming people because that's how I know Japan operates. Like nothing was nothing was done in the whole month of March. I felt like Japan was just like watching the TV of like America and Spain and Italy. Like, oh, what are they going to do? Do we need to do that too? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, what are you doing? They're not doing anything until April. Okay, finally we do the state of emergency. But what does that really mean? Well, I think they did a fantastic job in watching other countries and copying what they did, especially America, because they were like, look, America's pretending it's not a problem. And then they're dying. And that's exactly what Japan has done. I do think it's kind of yep. sad, though, that pachinko parlors are so busy, right? Because people must know the risk. Because like pachinko, you have to touch the balls, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm not getting this confused with the soap blend, am I? Uh, no, you, you have to. It applies to both. Okay, but you, you have like these metallic, I guess, ball bearings, is that what you call them? And then you pour them into a slot and they kind of fall down, right? So necessarily you're touching like something horrible. Like no doubt these balls are not sanitized. I would highly doubt that they sanitize them. Uh, and and also you're in very, very close confinement with lots of other people. And Who are smoking. Which presumably the coronavirus likes. I don't know. It does, seems like yeah, a bit of a bad. Yeah. Seems like a bit of a bad boy. They like weak lungs. Weak lungs is, is yeah. They need weak lungs. I actually think that like the pachinko parlor staying open and being so busy is is like quite a sad indictment of like what a nasty like people are never having fun in pachinko parlors, right? It, it, just like actually in amusement arcades in Japan, go to the ground floor of any amusement arcade in Japan, and it's all like men who are getting increasingly frustrated at the fact that they still haven't won a toy and they they need their girlfriend to be happy by sending them out with a toy and like there's very rarely joy right it's very rare like even even when you see people eventually win a toy it's kind of like this resignment as they go how many 500 yen coins do i have to put in for this and as they're like working out the cost of this stuffed toy as they're picking yeah, it, there's, yeah. never, there's never a, 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 a feeling of elation and that's particularly true for pachinko i don't think people in there are smiling are they I just think they're just addicted, but also, I mean, I read the article that people from different prefectures on the east side on Toho, oh, where are you guys? Kanto, sorry. <laughs> Kanto area are traveling in different areas to go to Pachinko, but I also heard the same thing in Kansai, um, where it's like, oh, it might be close here, but let's go to this different prefecture to do right, Pachinko. Right. And I'm like... Why don't they do the state of emergency everywhere in the country? Why are they doing it like these specific cities? So I'm glad that finally they spread it to the whole country. I think it is, right? Yeah, no, uh, Ali, what you said about like uh, listing the names of the ones that are still open just might be an advertisement. Uh, people really are. They're, they're moving around and seeking out the, the ones that are still open. Um, the article that Ayana just mentioned, Tokyo Pachinko Parlors are restricting their hours. And so players are going to Ibaraki. And Ibaraki currently has 146 cases of coronavirus infection and five deaths from it. People are going there from Tokyo. Tokyo's got 3,300 cases and 71 deaths. So yeah, you're, you're, you're sending people from a more infected environment. You're just spreading it, basically. I wonder if there's a way of moving the pachinko experience online. Actually, I, I was speaking to someone that, that really likes pachinko, and they said that what they actually like is the feeling of putting their hands in the tub of ball bearings. Like, and actually there's no, there's, there's no action to take when you play pachinko kind of full 
hardcore mode because what they right. do is they'll take one so the only thing you control is a dial a dial to go left and right and that controls how the balls fall in but some people will find a sweet spot and they will jam a coin into that dial to make sure that the dial doesn't even move anyway so all they are doing is pouring balls in and watching them trickle so it's kind of like a kind of meditation i think that might be the closest uh, approximation of what what's actually going on that yes it is a kind of gambling but it's just this idea of just doing nothing you know if it's meditation, it's got to be the loudest fucking meditation in the world. Just walking <laughs> by the door of the Pachinko parlor will like damage your eardrums. But I think instead of comparing it to meditation, it's more like smoking in a way because any addiction, any addiction is not just the core thing that you're addicted to. It's everything that gets associated with it. So people, when they're quitting smoking, they have trouble with not having something to do with their hands. And I think that gambling addiction also gets associated with that sensation of the ball bearings as you're touching them. There are all of these associated motions, these sensations that, that get tied up into that addiction. So they're saying, you know, what I really, really like about it is the feel of the ball bearings in my hand. And what they actually mean is I'm just hopelessly addicted to this. Many restaurants are now doing a cook it from home kit, aren't they? So you can kind of like get your ramen noodles and your soup stock and some char siu and they send it in a box and you can make it at home. I wonder if pachinko parlors can just send you like a thousand ball bearings and you can just tr trickle them in your kitchen back and forth. Or you can rent a machine or like they have a mini machine. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. And, and, and with like a 500 watt loudspeaker and a smoke machine. Yes. But people do get really excited about, you know, whenever they change out those machines. So if you're going to be doing this pachinko at home business, you should let uh, users exchange their machines every couple of days. Maybe even like, you know, switch right. out the Tokyo machines with the Ibaraki machines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. And we can give them New one complimentary plan. mask to make sure there'll be absolutely no spread of infection. They have to right. share it between them, though. Hey, thanks very much for listening all the way to the end of this episode 32 of Japan by River Cruise. If you are listening to this in the month of April, then don't forget that buymeacoffee.com is waiving all of their fees, which means that if you buy us a coffee, we will get all of that lovely coffee money. So please do, if you've enjoyed any of our episodes, chuck us a few dollars. Uh, we promise to not spend it on ball bearings. Uh, Ayana, thanks very much for guesting on the show. Yes, uh, please do check out Curly and Kansai podcast. They also, uh, Ayana's YouTube channel also features a number of the Curly and Kansai conversations with your friend Elise, right? Uh, those are great to yes, check out. Any other social media platforms you'd like to plug? Uh, I am very active on Twitter, Yana underscore YZ, and as well as Instagram. Oh, sorry, Ayana. Bobby didn't mean plug yours. I think he was asking you to plug his. Yeah. Would you, would you like to tell people how great my social media platforms are? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're great on Twitter. <laughs> Bobby actually is good on Twitter. Uh, in fact, Bobby's one of the most skilled people I know at being angry on the internet. Yes, uh, that's right. And I am pleased to announce that I have started our first ever official podcast, Beef, because not everyone can be a Brian. I want to make clear that I had nothing to do with this. Uh, I was busy setting up the Japan by River Cruise Twitter, uh, which, by the way, is JRBC Pod. Uh, it boasts just 60 followers and frankly doesn't have the social media clout to start a credible online fight with anyone. But Bobby does. <laughs> <laughs>
I do. And our first official podcast beef, even though it's not on the official Twitter, is with reporter, author, and environmental activist Jake Edelstein, who many of you may know from his book Tokyo Vice and from his years of, I'm just going to say it, staunch anti-river cruise lobbying. Uh, about a it's year horrible. ago, I, I did DM him on Twitter, and he actually committed very loosely to being a guest on this very podcast. And then... I didn't follow up for like a year. And then the other day I noticed that it looks like he has yet to appear as a guest. Is that about right, Ali? Uh, yes, that is correct that it's what you told me. Um, and although I have no firsthand evidence of any of this, uh, I am frankly astonished that after you tweeted him saying, hey, we're two white guys in Japan with reasonable quality USB microphones, a logo that my friend has made on his iPad and no podcast yet, uh, this man didn't then move mountains to try and be on the show. The mind, frankly, boggles. The man is clearly a lunatic. Should I have said the USB microphones were reasonable? Because I, I didn't. That might have changed it. But anyway, in any case, if you would like to jump on our side and tweet at Jake Edelstein and ask him why he's so afraid to appear on the podcast, feel free to do so. Just don't, um, don't as I did, do it like more than 40 times a day or he will block you. And do not mention that you know where his kids go to school. He's super sensitive about that. 